0: For contractors and the reconstruction and repair of the country's infrastructure, hydro demolition can be a key element in the efficiency of a job. Today features an interview with Keith Armishaw, business development manager for AquaJet's North American subsidiary. We talk about the use of hydro demolition in today's concrete infrastructure construction. That's a mouthful. And what the future of the technology looks like. I'm Jonathan, and this is the Digging Deeper Podcast, hosted by ForConstructionPros.com. Hi, Keith. How are you doing today? Fine. Great. I understand that you're uh, joining us in in your car on a a busy day, but um, I did want to ask, we're talking about hydro hydro demolition today, and I watched this video on uh, water jets on YouTube recently. And they said something very interesting to me. It was, it's not the water that's cutting, it's other particulate in the water. So how does AquaJet's hydro demolition machines actually cut concrete? Is it the water doing the work or is it particulate in the water?
1: Oh, that's a good question. To my knowledge, it's actually the water because we have no, there's no uh, abrasive material in the water. Uh, in some, in some cases, you may add abrasive to cut like for steel, for, for instance, but in our case on the concrete, it's really, we're just using uh, clean potable water. Uh, and what's actually doing the work is the, the pressure. So the pressure of the water is anywhere between, uh, I, I always use 15,000 to uh, 40,000 PSI. And that water, as it hits the, uh, the concrete, uh, it it overcomes the compressive strength of the concrete and then penetrates it, and then it blows it up. So it it, it opens it up in cracks and bores and then it it ends up being like rubble. So there's no abrasive material. It's 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 just the water itself that's uh, cleaning. You could you could you could see it as more of like a rapid erosion of concrete.
0: Well, that's cool because we're talking about sustainability and environmental friendliness and everything like that today. So. You know, knowing that it's just water and there's nothing else added to it, it helps with like the cleanup and knowing that the water dispersed can be just cleaned up a little bit easier than knowing that you have to like separate, you know, other unfriendly.
1: Uh, yeah, well, so yeah. what you have to understand is once we remove the concrete, then the water becomes, uh, I'll use the word contaminated with sure cement fines so it has a high turbidity level uh, and uh, the pH level will also increase from a regular from standard pH uh, like a potable water around seven and eight up to 10 to 12 in pH level so those items have to be treated that's yeah. basically the waste we want to treat after we uh, when, when we're doing the, pro- the process
0: it sounds like there's like a lot of water coming off of hydro demolition projects and all that i understand needs to be treated uh with the ph and everything like that yes how what do contractors do there
1: well uh over the years contractors have been uh, you know finding uh, creative ways to treat the water to contain it and then to treat it uh anywhere from settling ponds to uh homemade uh devices that you know can Correct pH and and uh, remove the so fine the suspended solids in the water. Uh, seeing that increase in demand, Aquajet uh, designed and built a a water treatment plant. So, what we call the EcoClear. So we're able to uh, mobilize this one container on site and treat up to uh, 88 gallons per minute of water. So we can we automatically adjust the pH level uh, using CO2 gas, and then we remove the uh fine particles uh, by using a flocculant coagulant so chemicals so there's no filter on on the unit and that water we're able to in some cases even uh, recycle it so reduce the amount of water we're using on some projects
0: you mentioned there was some like homemade ways um can you what kind of creative ways have contractors uh, dealt with this project? Like, uh, well, how do they do again,
1: the, yeah, they will get the large tanks and they'll store uh, water and then uh, let it settle. So you, you can imagine if you're pumping 50 gallons a minute that you're, you're coming up close to over almost 4000 gallons every hour. So you need some large, very large tanks to, to, to contain that, especially if you're working uh, eight hour days. So, you have humongous uh, tanks there, and that's a lot of water to manage. So, yeah, they, they have tanks, they, they store it, and then they try to treat it either in batches. Our system is a continuous operation where the water comes in, it goes, what comes in, comes out. So, it's a continuous operation. You don't need as very large storage tanks. Yeah. And then the contractors will use uh, sometimes uh, acid to balance the pH. So uh, And they'll they'll uh, create baffles and things in tanks to try to, to drop the, 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 the fine, the very fine uh, suspended solids in, in the water, sure. This is very difficult.
0: And then probably using something a little bit more official from a manufacturer is probably a little bit easier to explain to anybody that needs it. Um, like this is what's happening with the water the wastewater and this is how it's going to be actually treated there's some documentation probably a lot easier Correct. than the home yeah, it's automated method.
1: yeah yeah it's automated it records the uh, you know what what the water what quality of water you're discharging and that so it, it's i mean it's a benefit for anyone who is using it awesome. it's more compact so when you're on a bridge job i mean your equipment has to be compact because usually you have a one lane closure so you have to find creative ways to, if you have to store a whole bunch of water and then that means you got a whole bunch of containers set up somewhere. So it's, it saves customers a lot of time in their setup, uh, in the space they need on site and, uh, just, just makes the the job site much easier to work with. Sure.
0: And separately, I understand that there was a a world tour from April to May recently. Um, correct. How did, where did you go and how was it?
1: Yeah. So we had organized, uh, we had we had scheduled and planned this uh, world tour event uh, a couple of years in a row, but with the pandemic uh, hitting us all around the world, we weren't able to get out uh, when we wanted to. So we finally uh, picked a date in 2022, which was April, and we had two events uh, going at the same time: one in uh, in Germany, for that covered uh, the European countries, and we had one here for North America. Uh, which was held in uh, in the U.S. in uh, in our state in our uh, at our shop in uh, uh, Missouri, Saint Joseph, Missouri, and that's where that's the show that I attended.
0: What did you guys uh, kind of display? What did you did you like do demos and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, the the objective was to show our new equipment, mainly the launch of our new uh, Aquacutter Seven Hundred and Fifty V, which is a new robot. We just launched uh, this spring at that event and then to demo uh, the rest of the equipment. And it was also an opportunity for us to want to bring customers in, new customers, existing customers. And we wanted to give uh, some additional training uh, to some of these customers uh, and and have a discussion about uh, you know, about hydro demolition, what's what's going on in the market, uh, questions that people have uh, what's happening. And it's a good event for for some people to to network and and talk. So when we create these events, it brings up a whole bunch of benefits for everybody who who usually attends.
0: Sure, do you plan on doing this like yearly annual thing?
1: Uh, In the past, we've had what we call hydro demolition days every uh, two to three years. So yes, we're definitely planning uh, some new events uh, in the upcoming year, uh, probably twenty twenty three. We'll have probably try to plan something again. Yes, because cool. it's it's beneficial for for our customers, people looking to get into the business, uh, to get to mingle with other people who have experience, and uh, you know everyone gets to learn a little bit and uh, and talk about equipment also.
0: Sure. And then at the recent World of Concrete, World of Concrete twenty twenty two. Uh, we saw the 750, and at this this you know, uh, world tour, you also put on the 750 on display. Um, how has demo, hydro demolition changed in the last five to ten years? Just okay.
1: Well, so hydro demolition started back way back there in in, in the eighties. Uh, so ten years, five five years is not a big change for us. But let's say it, in the last ten years. Okay. Uh, the process itself hasn't really evolved or changed. I mean, we're still using, you know, water to to remove the concrete, so that part is is still the same. What's changed is uh, more or less the, the equipment itself. So improvements in, in efficiency on the equipment has been the, has been the main, like on the manufacturing side. Uh, you know, with more automation, uh, more simplicity in the controls. And, and some new things like our new oscillation system on the uh, infinity oscillation system on our new 750 robot. And uh, also then what we also what's changed in the last say, five to 10 years is the amount of people uh, using it. So there was an increase in, in usage of, of our demand for hydro demolition. So there's more and more contractors that are using the equipment. And also what, what's been noticed is we're getting away from standard or I w- what I would call maybe typical markets, which would be like uh, uh, bridge work, you know, like deck on, on a bridge parking garage structures. So those are well-renowned, uh, areas for hydro demolition, but now the tendency has been moving to different components on the bridge and, uh, different structures, uh, not just that typical road and bridge work. So it's been expanding. The market has been expanding over the last 10 years to different, uh, structures.
0: I think that's probably coming from the be able, the ability to take that hydro demolition unit and like move it around, adjust it up and down onto a vertical surface. And yeah,
1: you're, you're, you're 100% correct. Uh, older machines were, had, were on wheels, uh, so they had to absolutely be on stable ground. Uh, the, most of them were set up to do horizontal work. Uh, so anything that had to be done on a wall or a ceiling, it was out of out of the question. Uh, but with the newer equipment, that's all things that are possible can be done.
0: Do you know if like those older machines are still in use today, or have they yes. um, gone to museums or something?
1: No, there's still there's still <laughs> some old machines that are out there. We have customers running our machines that are somewhere twenty years old. Wow, they still use them. Yes, so I mean uh, the equipment's still. And it's all it's, it's mechanical components. So, I mean, you can replace them uh, for a long time. The, what the difference between something that's 20 years old and, and recent is all the technology. Sure. So sure. efficiency uh, would be different. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Do you know how much more efficient we're talking?
1: I mean, something that's 10 years old to our new Infinity, it could be up to uh, 50% more efficiency.
0: Wow. Yep. And you mentioned that, the like since concrete can be used in so many different projects, dams, bridges, roads, foundations, etc., um, there's likely millions more reasons why a section of it needs to be removed. Um, so how would a contractor know if a situation would be best suited for hydro demolition work? Uh
1: that's interesting. The uh in general, the more area or surface there is uh, to do, uh, the more you would tend to use uh, hydro demolition. so uh, if if there's a large structure, whatever it is, if there's several uh, thousands of square foot to be removed or repaired, then it makes uh, the more sense it makes to use hydro demolition because as your your surface gets larger, then you can your costs will go down normally on 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 that project. So if you, you wouldn't necessarily mobilize uh, that type of equipment for a project that only has a, like a thousand square feet. You know, you're looking for projects that have, that are, you know, 20, 50, a hundred, 200,000 square foot, uh, where you can really utilize the machine, uh, take advantage of the speed and efficiency of it. I found, But, but to, just to get back to you on that, the contractors, not only that, but they'll know, uh, you know, that, if they have such big surface, how many men they, they need, you know, and how, and how fast they have to have it executed. And that's where hydro will come in and, and and, and blow that away, you know.
0: Sure, sure. I did find um, in my research that one column mentioned that the life expectancy of repairs from using hydro demolition would be 21 to 35 years, while the repair from a mechanical chiseling would be almost half that. Can you tell me about how this expectancy came about?
1: Yes, I was just looking at something this morning, uh, a report we had, and uh, it's it's stated, uh, and it starts like this. It says, you know, we can't afford to use jackhammers. And that was a statement by the Swedish National uh, Road Administration back in the eighties. So they, they, uh, country uh, decided that, well, they didn't decide, they figured that the repairs weren't lasting long enough. And after doing core samples, so, you know, coring the, the like example of bridge jack, coring the deck and, and doing pull-off tests and inspecting the cores, they noticed that there was micro cracks uh, on the concrete and the bonding wasn't old, wasn't good between the old concrete and the new concrete. So when they were using jackhammers to, re- to remove the damaged concrete on the top, you're actually damaging the concrete uh, uh, surface. And when they would put an overlay over that, okay, then it wouldn't bond very, it would bond, but then there would be weak spots because it was cracks. And then when you get got cracks, you can get water going in there. And then the water could have chloride, salt, and it contaminates the whole uh, the, the rebar around it and the structure, and then it gets weak again. So they they needed to find a process because they had these problems caused by, by that, mainly by a mechanical removal. So that the, the life expectancy that we have, those numbers that you had were, were basically done by government uh, in Sweden, in this case, where they did core samples and, and pulled, pulled them apart to see what the, uh, what the life expectancy would be. Like what the pull-off strength difference would be between a jackhammer and, and hydro demolition.
0: Yeah, I think that's really a key detail uh, just because there is going to be a lot of like road construction and infrastructure projects going to be happening in the U.S. pretty soon because of the infrastructure bill, and since the the country's infrastructure received a C minus from the um, ASCE, uh, according to the executive summary, it's like the first time in twenty years we actually increased the rating up from a D plus. In 2017, which I hope is a good thing. Um, what do you yeah. think got us uh, this far from a D to that C, and how can contractors keep this going?
1: Yeah, I think uh, my point of view on that is that if if the if that if that was improved, it's due to uh, government funding. So states, you know, decided that okay, we need to fix this, and then they started putting out. More money into the infrastructure. That's how it starts. Uh, but uh, it people, I mean, the way to, to keep up to that. The, what's going to happen now? But in, in what in your statement is the pace of the repair uh, is going to have to go up faster. Is going to have to increase also because if you're putting out more demand on repairing, uh, each state is putting out more demand on repairing their their, their infrastructure and that's going to put a load on the, on the construction, uh, market, right. Because they're, we used to working with a certain budget every year, you know, and all of a sudden we're, we're, we're putting in another 10% or or 20%. So now contractors are going to be, uh, need to go work faster and smarter. So that's when the equipment, uh, like hydro demolition will come in and and help them out to do, do more work, uh, with fewer people, for example, Yeah, more efficient on it. Yeah. And then uh, we also need everyone to participate in that example. We need, uh, it's okay that the DOT decides that they want to invest uh, an extra uh, 50 million uh, uh, for some bridge infrastructure, but we need engineers to step in and, and also uh, help contractors, you know, give them flexibility on using different tools like hydro demolition, you know. So it's the whole, uh, I won't say game there, but there's a it has to be sort of a market plan. It's okay to say I'm putting money in, the, in there, but then everyone else down the chain has to follow up with that.
0: And it's interesting that you say that the infrastructure is gonna need more efficiency and everything like that for the all, all those repairs. And the 750 in particular has that, that features that like figure eight uh, pattern in its spray and it gives, goes on an yes. angle to kind of reduce the shadows when the water goes in. Correct. Um, based on these trends and needs, uh, how, what can we expect out of hydro demolition technologies in the future? What's, what's hydro demolition and aqua jets 10 years from now?
1: That's a good question. We, you know, we're continu- we've always been uh, leaders in, in our market for uh, uh, innovation you know, uh, and, the, and the 750 is again, proof of it. And we have other concepts that we've had over the last uh, 30 years that we've developed and are still using our machines today. So we'll definitely continue to uh, improve our, our, our equipment. And we will definitely continue to listen to our customers because they're the ones sort of dictating uh, the market, what they need uh, and what they're seeing, you know. So maybe down the road, uh, you know, definitely we'll probably still have some tricks up our sleeve for the robots to improve on, on that. And we'll, as everything evolves, we learn, we learn. So we'll be able to probably capitalize on that and finding a way to improve our robots again. Uh, pump systems will probably uh, also improve. Uh, we'll probably figure out ways to use less water, uh, you know, to do the, to do the same work, which is also a, a big saving.
0: As far as the pressure of water and the patterns and how it affects concrete, is that gonna change at all? Can we expect any differences in hydro demolition in that way in the future?
1: Yes, I think so. Uh, The way uh, uh, it's a bit bit technical, but right now the way uh, pumps like high pressure pumps are configured, you, uh, you have a certain horsepower range, right? And uh, horsepower is horsepower. So if I have uh, an X amount of water flow, I'll give you an example of uh, 50 gallons per minute of water, uh, and I have a pressure of 20,000 PSI. Well, I can get that same pump with the same horsepower with a different configuration. So I could get it at, uh, let's say uh, 30,000 uh, PSI, so higher pressure, but I would have a lower flow. So I'd be maybe at 30 gallons a minute. I'd still have the same horsepower. So that's already there. So what, we, what we're what we working with and around the world is a bit different. So some locations are using these lower flow, uh, higher pressure pumps. And uh, in the market here, we've been using for years, Is uh, most, maybe 75, 90% of contractors are using a higher volume of water. So those are things that may come to change uh, in the future as we as we as equipment evolves and one of the ideas behind the uh, 750 was to be able to use that uh, higher pressure pump system with the lower volume of water and still have uh, fairly good results with the equipment with the concrete surface.
0: You mentioned earlier that it really is the customers. It's really the industry that drives changes to you. Um, How can contractors get in touch with you, get in touch with AquaJet and, you know, get, start a conversation.
1: We, we always, all our customers, we, we, how can I say, We, we try to keep an open approach with them. We want to participate with them. We want to be more or less like partners. Let's call it partners. In, uh, in our approach to uh, have exchange on what's going on. And so at the beginning, if it's a new customer, they have a sort of a learning curve, uh, but uh, you know, older customers who have more experience can give us feedback of what they see or what could be changed or improved on, on equipment or, or things they've done. Uh, so again, as, as everyone's experience increases, then that's where we're able to pinpoint problems and, and then focus on a solution for those problems.
0: Sure. But is there, is there like a form online or something?
1: No, no, it's all done. Uh, like usually we just help customers to reach out at one of their regional sales managers or directly to me, or even to the factory. They can email the factory. Uh, you can go online and we have uh, uh, all our information there on aquajet.se uh, or uh, brocinc.com. Uh, you can find our our, our information there. And uh, if uh, they can just reach out to us and uh, can discuss things, and we, we we have a lot of conversations with uh, a lot of with several customers who are really uh, into it. We'll put it that way, that the the they put a lot of effort to making it right, and we get a lot of feedback and conversation with those people.
0: Sure, and finally, it, any um, interesting uh, projects, interesting jobs that you've heard of using hydro demolition that come to mind?
1: Yeah, I mean. Uh, Like we talked about earlier that that's what's different is some of the projects are uh, where you would maybe 10 years ago you wouldn't, well, you might have not have thought of using the equipment because either was too big or wasn't accessible or, or, you know, wasn't properly designed for the situation, but we have uh, several projects currently that are, I would say interesting, very large, a couple of very large dam projects where our customers uh, developed uh, with, with some of our tools, ways to get down on, on spillways and on very uh, steep slopes, uh, it's very interesting. We're, and in those cases, uh, the customer, the end user is very uh, impressed with the, with the work that they're doing. We have uh, some tunnel projects, which are pretty interesting uh, that are happening right now where we're doing like deep removal. Like, you know, I think it's almost 15 inches deep and very long trenches, like for, uh, you know, thousands of feet long. Uh, we have, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of, uh, I'm just trying to think of a couple there, but there's quite a few out there that are, that are particular. We're doing uh, uh, peers, uh, pier caps, uh, which normally are done by hand, uh, but this contractor decided he was going to make it work and he did everything he, he planned it very well, and uh, now he's he's using the equipment, a robot on a on a platform to do pier caps on a, underneath a bridge. Customers see the advantage to it, and and they're using it uh, more and more in the, in these areas where they would normally have to have a couple of guys, you know, several guys doing the same work.
0: Well, I'd like to thank you for your time today. Thank you for talking to us.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you very much for taking the time to to talk to us. And uh, if you guys have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to us.
0: And that about does it for this episode. I'd like to thank Keith again for taking the time to talk with us, and thank you for listening. Tune in soon for another episode of the Digging Deeper podcast by ForConstructionPros.com. Until next time, stay safe out there.